Hello, welcome back to the Exposure Ninja podcast extra. My name is Jess and I'm joined by the wonderful Tim Cameron Kitchen for one of our sort of more newsy kind of here's what you need to know in marketing type podcasts, which should be a lot of fun. How are you, Tim? Have a nice bank holiday. I did. Thank you. Yes. Um, Yes. I mean, the bank holiday was punctuated by demos of Google's new search generative experience. Um, Absolutely. AI in search results. I mean, two of my biggest passions in the world combined. So I found it pretty difficult to concentrate, but it was still very lovely. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> good, good. It's safe to say you seem very, very excited about the changes that have been happening with Google in this new, wonderfully named search generative experience. And we've seen a few sort of well-known names in the SEO space start to get access to this new experience it's currently on a waiting list for people in the USA only. Um, and there's definitely been some some interesting results, maybe things that we thought were going to be a certain way, haven't been, or they appear at certain times or don't. Um, and it's been quite interesting. To me, it kind of feels a little bit like featured snippets with a little bit of extra spice. Like, yeah. you know, and I think that's how they're going to get the average person actually using AI. I think, you know, it's got that same kind of, here's the thing at the top, it happens every time you search rather than sort of Bing where you have to go into a separate window to use it. So I think people are either going to love it or hate it, but regardless, they're going to be forced to use it once it finally <laughs> rolls out. Um, yes. what, what's kind of been your take on what you've seen, Tim? Yeah. I'm very excited to hear what you have to say. Um, well, I mean... <laughs> Firstly, you know, Google announced that they were going to be bringing generative AI into their search results and a couple of weeks ago, didn't they? And they showed some demos of what this would look like. And we yes. talked about them on the podcast, like people typing in their questions in the search results and then seeing this big green box at the top or a big purple box or a red box or something. Um, in fact, I can show some demos. And I think... Yes, the yeah, for anybody who's listening... There will be a recording of this podcast over on our YouTube channel, um, Exposure Ninja Podcast, if you want to check out. But we'll do our best to kind of describe what we're looking at to you. Yes. So, yes, bring up those Indeed. demos, Tim. Yeah. So stuff like this. This is uh, Barry Schwartz Twitter. Um, so he's asked, when does Shavu start? And uh, it's given a, a an answer here in the search um, results, which has... It's used this generative text capabilities to write an answer, and then it's linked to some websites which corroborate the answer that it's given. And then you can ask it follow-up questions, so you can ask it for a bit more detail, and you can chat to it just like you do with ChatGPT. So I think when the announcement and the demo came out, it was all very exciting. Obviously, we were pretty keen to caveat everything with we don't actually know what these results will look like it's very easy to make a demo look good when there's like a couple of screenshots of the best things and then um, absolutely and then in the last few days or so uh users in the us have actually been able to play with this and, and have an experiment lots of people in the seo world have been digging in and posting their screenshots and their first thoughts um, I was immediately extremely optimistic about this. I thought this is going to be absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to see Google build in the power of ChatGPT and its, you know, its creativity and obviously the Google version of ChatGPT, but um, use the large language model for their creativity and their ability to take lots of relevant topics and combine them and find patterns between them and all this type of stuff. 
I have to say my overall take on the demos that I've seen has been, um, I feel like someone has poured a bucket of ice water on my optimism about how great these results are going to be uh, for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, but yeah, I feel like the execution isn't quite there. This feels, honestly, to me, it feels like this has been rushed out, which I don't think is potentially a, a ludicrous suggestion given the timescale that everyone's been working to on this. Um, but I wouldn't say that, you know, if you said what's the potential of generative AI in search results, I would not, you know, for me personally, this ain't it. I don't think this is the final version of it by a long way. And um, yeah, I've got some specific niggles, which, uh, which we can get into if we want to. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's definitely split the crowd. And I think a lot of people who have been really excited have been unsure with the results. One thing that I thought was really interesting is something they really, really pushed um, during the demos was that your money or your life queries, which are basically anything that's relating to your finances or to health, um, wouldn't get a generative result. But we're actually finding that, yes, they are. Um, and it could be, you know, it's Tim made a very good point in our notes about how, you know, they're caveating it with get your information from a medical professional, but you have to scroll down past the generative result to then find those results from a medical professional. Um, so it just kind of feels a little bit, a little bit off. And I don't know if it's just because the AI can't quite differentiate between ones that are really, really your money or your life or ones that aren't, that they deem to be not as serious, yes. um, which is one aspect of it that I think is, yeah, not quite what people expected. Yeah. So that medical example, I think is, is a great one. So I think the, the question was something like someone had asked, what are the symptoms of strep throat? And then the generative AI had produced an answer, which was basically identical to the featured snippet, I think, that was below, which is another okay. issue, right? These generative yes. AI answers are sort of taking entire chunks of featured snippets and presenting them without any direct citation. But anyway, the generative AI produced this answer, which basically looked like the featured snippet, which lists the symptoms of strep throat. It had added a bit of information about what strep throat is, like where it comes from and all that type of stuff, which may or may not be useful. But then at the top, it says it's standard. That it seems to be a standard uh, disclaimer, something along the lines of, you know, I'm just generative AI, but you should seek your advice from a medical professional. And like you say, I'm like, well, why have you just pushed the medical professional's opinion down so that you can serve up this generative AI, which is just an exact duplication of what was already there anyway? Like if, if, if a doctor's opinion is important, well, let's hear from the doctors. Let's not hear from the large language model. So I think there are some questions about that. And for me, it seems like it's going a bit overkill in tending to present generative AI answers to questions that maybe it doesn't need to or that aren't particularly welcome. Like if I'm looking for a local hair salon, for example, I'm not sure that generative AI is the most useful thing there unless what it's going to do is it's going to ask me a bunch of questions about what type of hairstyle i want uh what my selection criteria will be how important price is to me like how far am i willing to travel if it's going to ask all those questions and then serve me up more relevant answers than i can find myself great and i think generative ai would be amazing at that 
but it doesn't seem to yep. be doing that at the moment. What it seems to be doing is basically just taking the map results and then adding a bit of generative AI that's like, hey, did you know that a hair salon is blah, blah, blah? And then giving a bit of generative AI answer about each hair salon, which may or may not be true. We don't even know. And actually, those map pack yes. results show less than the old map pack did anyway. So my take on a whole bunch of these is that Google results seem to be worse as a result of this thing, which is so frustrating because I'm so bullish on AI's potential. But this ain't yes. it. <laughs> I completely understand. I definitely think um, we have to remember it's in beta and hopefully, you know, people like yourself who are really passionate about, about AI and who can see the potential are going to be the people who are testing this out and who are going to be going back to Google and being like, this ain't it, chief. Can you sort this out, please? You know, like I think those voices are going to hopefully be really loud. Um, and I think that is the bonus of running a beta test like this and also having a wait list so that people who are really excited can get on board right away and then be like hang on a minute i'm not totally sure about this so i think that is um yeah i think that's hopefully hopefully we'll see some changes and hopefully you know dale saying viva la G gse hopefully it will live up to the hype and be you know <laughs> really wonderful um another point that you were saying about the um the hair salon example, um, Barry Schwartz actually used it to kind of look at options for having his haircut and um, just said, what's the average price for a haircut? And it came up with $200. And he was like, this is completely <laughs> wrong. Like, I don't pay more than $20 for a haircut. And it really made me laugh because it just shows that you kind of have to be a bit more specific because actually for a lot of um, people who go to a hairdresser like myself and maybe have more complicated stuff done rather than just going to a barber and having a trim um you know it can cost a lot of money and I just thought it was really funny that you know he obviously didn't know this the AI didn't know this you know they didn't there was a disconnect in in the question and the answer you know and the previous knowledge whereas if Barry would have asked what's the average price for a men's haircut to get specific it probably would have said 10 to 20 dollars or whatever he said so i just thought that was kind of funny and you do have to give them a little bit of context you have to give a little bit of context to the ai with your question it's not as simple as just asking a person what's the average price for a haircut like because they can see your hair and the kind of work that you have done then be like oh probably 20 quid mm. but the ai doesn't have that kind of context but i just thought i got quite a chuckle out of that because i was like yeah it doesn't have that context obviously barry didn't seem to have that context either so it just kind of made for him thinking it was incorrect when actually it wasn't but it was incorrect for him um so yeah i just thought that was that was um that was really funny <laughs> I think one of the things that's also stood out for me between obviously our tendency is to compare the Bing chat results and the Bing chat experience with the Google generative AI um, experience is that one of the interesting things I think that Bing does, which I haven't seen Google do so far, is that when you search for a really complex query, it will run lots of parallel searches in the background and then try to figure out an answer combining all of those. And it's still limited by the fact that it's Bing, which I don't think anyone disagrees. The fact that Bing is a, a an inferior search engine by some margin, but that is a more interesting application, I think, for how businesses can use AI, how businesses can be recommended by AI, and how Google could be building it into its search engine. For example, in that example, you know, how much is what's the average price of a haircut? It's not a million miles away to think that, well, it could ask you some clarifying questions. 
it could look at, you know, Google knows your search history, Google knows who you are, Google knows probably more about you than many other tech companies. So it could provide a really tailored answer to that question using a whole bunch of parallel searches that are running in the background. But at the moment, it feels like quite a blunt instrument where it's it's just running a single search, it's operating in a very linear way. Um, and I think at the moment, that makes it difficult to get excited about this as a so or, uh, for me anyway as a search marketer in this iteration it's quite difficult to get excited by because it just looks like it's trying to give featured snippets without attribution and it's trying to flesh them out a bit with generative ai um i completely yeah. agree i definitely think that making things more personal and adding that personal touch is what would set google apart from other like from bing chat i think they could really add that that human element to the AI, you know, and be thinking, okay, like it gives you the option to ask follow up questions, but it might be nice if the AI was a bit more proactive mm. in sort of being like this, you know, the haircut price is around $200. But could we ask you a bit more to try and figure out because obviously it depends like if somebody's just going for a trim or if they're going for a full head of color, it's going to be totally different. So I think that could be, yeah, I think adding that personal touch could really bring it to a whole, a whole new level. Um, I saw that you kind of had some insight about the like local results, Tim, and reading this, I was quite disappointed about this kind of how local results are looking at the moment. Yeah, obviously local results being quite a big battleground in the world of SEO. So when you search for, you know, whatever local, uh, I don't know, not local plumber because they don't tend to show necessarily a map, but um, any any sort of local for a local hair salon, whatever. Um, and you would tend to see a map pack and the listings in the map, you'd have the business name, you'd have the opening times, whether it's open or closed at the moment. You might have a phone number, you'd have review stars, you might have, uh, you'd have a little piece of the address and you can sometimes have a snippet from reviews. Uh, I don't know how those snippets are taken, but the, the snippet from the review will sometimes say, you know, got a great haircut for the price or whatever. And then generative AI, there is a generative AI version of this, which will show at the top of search results. Now we were split inside Exposure Ninja because Dale um, really liked the UI of, of the generative AI version of this. Whereas I felt that the AI version, I think it shows the, the name of the business, um, and then average star rating, and then it has some description of you know the company that's generated, generated by the AI text. And then there is a map on the side, but none of the results were clickable. They didn't have the uh, name, uh, sorry, they didn't have the phone number or the address, which is I think a really key component of local search results. Um, I, I didn't see any review uh, snippets, um, so showing you you know some keywords from the review. Um, and opening times as well, and whether the, the place is open or closed. So for me, it was just, well, here's a version of the map pack with half of the information taken out and sacrificed for this generated piece of copy, which is a description of the business. I, I, don't, I don't personally see the value of this. Now, I'm hoping and I'm expecting that all of this stuff, the reason it's come out in search labs, they're not putting this in Google search results by default. So you won't see this unless you're a you're an absolute geek and you're signing up for search labs. So you have self-identified as a geek and you've clicked the button to say, yes, I'm a geek, <laughs> feed me this experimental stuff. So this isn't being pushed out there. I would imagine slash hope that what 
the process that's going on inside Google is now is that they're rolling this out to their search quality raters who are this team of, I don't know, is it 100,000 or so people who have been trained and have guidebooks on how to rate the quality and usefulness of Google search results. So these people are sort of primed, ready to answer Google's questions about how useful is this search result. And I would imagine that they are now being pumped all of these search generative experience results and they're rating them to say, yes, this is useful or yes, this isn't useful. So we must assume that yeah. this is like not even version one. This is like pre-version. This is like version 0.001 and that some of these things will be ironed out and they'll be testing different versions to see what people get and also sharing it with the community to see what the feedback is about these as well um, because it's so yes. new. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm tempering my disappointment with the fact that this is like really, really early. Uh, it's the danger of sharing stuff that's really early. Um, and yes, we absolutely. must see that it's going to get better. You know, Google's a brilliant company. Their history and search is, is impeccable. And um, they, they have so much to lose that I don't think that they'd be publishing this in its current state. <laughs> no, no, I completely agree. And I think people forget that the purpose of a beta test is for users to break it, find the holes, find the issues before everyone gets access to it just so that you know the geeks can kind of push the program to its limit and then it makes it easier for everyone else you know to figure out those bugs and stuff so i think we can be hopeful i really love the ui i think yeah. it looks great i really think it's a step in the right direction i really like that the conversation mode stays in the search results that's something i didn't enjoy mm. that much about bing mm. so i think there are some really great steps in the right direction and i am really excited to see you know what they do with it um and i think it could be i think it could be really good i, I so completely agree anything, and yeah. we, we should also say as well that for for marketers um this is I, th I think it is good news that google has this and it is experimenting with this the only thing that's going to happen from this is that people will be using google more often someone has just commented google is winner and users are the new losers <laughs> <laughs> I think Google has always been the winner. Um, that's that's not necessarily new. But if if anything keeps people on Google for longer, then businesses that are optimizing their their company to be seen on Google will be the winners, right? Even if you're not getting yeah. the traffic from informational searches, like we've said before, you might still be recommended as a result of the content that you've got on your website or you might be cited as one source of the generative AI answers, or you might be linked up in the top pane, or, um, or you know, or you might even just have the generative AI recommending your business for you based on the information that you've you've pushed out there. So I think there are loads of opportunities for business with this, and and that doesn't really change. Um, so we yeah. should, on the whole, be very yeah. encouraged and supportive of Google trying this new stuff, and just yeah, yes. hopeful that it figures it out. <laughs> Yes, Dale just asked in the comments of the YouTube video, what what should businesses be doing about all this? And you stole that question right out of my brain. Um, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but what we've really found is it's still all about giving the best answers and the best quality, you know, content and creating genuinely helpful content for people. Google wants its AI to be giving helpful advice. And if it's taking some information from you or you're corroborating, the kind of things that's being generated by the AI, then your website is more likely to be featured as one of those those three sort of websites that corroborate the information that Google's giving you. So 
as always, create awesome, helpful content that's for people um, that it's just good. Like, don't put out just stuff that's just to target keywords, as yeah. always. This is just I mean, a lot of the advice that we have is just, you know, the same as ever. Yeah. Just be, be good. Do good marketing <laughs> and, and see if you can find any original insight, any original data that you've got. Um, make sure you're using that because you don't know the you don't know the extent that Google is going to be drawing in these 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 sources to provide these answers. So you I think uh, we, we were talking to a client the other day who's who might have some data about um, house prices or land values in different states in the US. And that's the type of business that actually whilst their customers might know that they need their thing, their customers could also be a fairly broad range. Of, I don't want to say too much about the business, but their customers could be a fairly broad range of people, anyone from people who are just looking for the best return on any investment. So they could just be investors uh, all the way through to people that are looking to, you know, like build their own house or whatever. And I think the opportunity that technology like this gives us is if we just share all of the information and the data that we have, um, Google and these other AI tools can then draw from that data to compile answers for people to maybe even completely unrelated questions. But now all of a sudden we might be getting cited as a source of data for someone who maybe hadn't thought about buying from us, but actually could be a really good customer for us. So I think that the key is for businesses to work out what they've got that's proprietary, what they can add to the conversation. If we just assume that the generative AI is just going to you know, handle the the sort of generic information, then it's up to us to be, what, what do we know that nobody else knows? What's the truth that we know that nobody else knows? And how can we share that in a way that gets us featured in more conversations, in more of these discussions that are going to be happening in the search results page? Because then they're going to have to attribute it to us. Yeah, for sure. And I have to say as well, we're going to be sharing updates and anything that we notice um, as that comes through and as we get to play with this stuff more. So don't forget to subscribe as we do this podcast every week and it's full of like news and just handy updates for marketers about a bunch of stuff in the marketing world. Got a couple of quick questions and then we'll hop onto our next topic. So we've had a comment on the live YouTube stream saying Google wants to use AI to give answers but doesn't want AI created content. Now that isn't actually distinctly true anymore. We did a video about this on our main Exposure Ninja YouTube channel a few weeks ago that Google updated, has updated their policy many times, but the most recent policy seems to say that they want helpful content no matter how it was created. So really, we expect that to mean great content created in tandem with AI, but probably not exclusively generated by AI. I'd say that's accurate. Yes. Couldn't put it better. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got another question in the comments saying how should we change the way we make video content mm. keeping the ai update in mind which is very very interesting question um i haven't really seen how it's been including video in the actual generative search experience search generated experience even um so i wonder if that's kind of one that we have to put a pin in and wait until we start seeing a few more examples where video is being pulled through. Though we do have perspectives. Yeah, I was going to say, at risk of disappearing into wild speculation, we have perspectives. Mm. If you don't know about perspectives, perspectives is going to be a filter that you can see in search results where it'll show results from sites like Reddit, Quora, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, and YouTube Longs as well. But say you had a question about, um, I don't know, what's the best holiday for uh, families of four and blah, 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 right? And you click the perspectives tab, 
uh, you might see TikToks from people who've been talking about that and sharing their their perspectives. I think we at Exposure Ninja think this is going to be an amazing feature and really great for businesses to um, to, to start promoting themselves to people who are producing these types of videos. So one way that you might want to optimize for SGE would be to um, start working with other creators who can create this sort of perspectives-based content if we assume that at some point SGE isn't going to be limited to just giving you text and images, it might also be serving you up videos as citations, as corroborative sources or whatever. Um, and then, of course, for your own business, your own, you, you know, you should be producing video content. And, um, and uh, Google has a recent update called Flamingo, which is, well, it's, it's a a piece of tech rather than an update, which is all about categorizing and understanding what's happening in a video so that it can serve shorts um, in search results because it understands exactly what's happening in there. So I think the key that businesses can optimize for SG, produce more video, right? Uh, we know that video is engaging. We know that Google wants to put more video in search results. Produce video, it doesn't need to be long, well-produced video. It can also be short form, you know, mobile first, um, perspective type video and i think that's going to stand you in good stead for, for what is going to be coming where that happens how we get to that from sge in its current form we don't know but that seems to be the direction that google is pushing into wanting to serve more video content and search results yes yes it's all very very exciting um so yeah that's the that took up quite a big portion of this podcast but i thought it was really really important i'm glad you managed to touch on perspectives and flamingo in there for sure but we have some exciting news at Exposure Ninja that you might have seen across our social media, which is that we have achieved B Corp status, which is big news, very, very exciting. We're really pumped about it. Um, but as many others, I didn't know much about B Corp before we started applying for it. And I would just love to know a bit more about B Corp and what it means for us, why we went for it. Because I think there's a misconception that it's all about being green yeah kind of, right yeah because i see it on a lot of products i see the badge and i'm like oh this is like an eco-friendly product but obviously it's a bit different when you're part of an agency and i just i just want to hear you share the love and talk about it tim because i know you've been really involved in it and it's just awesome yeah <laughs> absolutely so we uh we i first became aware of b corp maybe uh i don't know two or three years ago um a, a nin or someone who is now a ninja but but used to be a client of ours, um, mentioned, they, have you heard about this B Corp thing? It seems like a kind of explosion ninja type thing because she knew that we weren't just, that. you know, it's just not like a hard-nosed business operation. We are really big on things like volunteering and we're really big on like inclusion, diversity and, and that type of stuff. And we've always had policies around environmental. Um, so she, she mentioned it and I looked into it and thought, wow, you know, actually this does feel like a, a way of, recognizing that type of stuff um so for me b corp is a it's a certification accreditation i can't remember what the word you're supposed to use is but basically to say that the business about is about more than just making profit so there are standards that a b corp has to adhere to uh, around environmental around a diversity inclusion around things like um, governance structure as well. So making sure that the company direction is set, not just from one total egomaniac, but there are some, you know, checks and balances in, in how the business is run. 
um, to make sure that it's it's there to make a better world. Basically, we want the world to be better than it was if we didn't exist, really. So all of that sort of fed into Exposure Ninja quite nicely. So that, then the next question is, OK, how easy is it to become a B Corp? Um, and it turns out it's not that easy to become a B Corp at all. I think it took us about a year and a half and we had someone dedicated who was in charge of sort of managing the process. They weren't doing that full time, but she spent a really good amount of time. Shout out to Emma. She did an incredible job. Um, and I think, yeah, it was it was quite an experience. We learned a lot because, for example, a company like ours wouldn't typically have a bribery and corruption policy. But we have to have a bribery and corruption policy if we're going to meet the B Corp criteria. So there's a whole bunch of like little things like that where we hadn't really thought about it. But, you know, so it's good to have a policy in place. There are other areas where we had stuff in place already and we just needed to formalize that in a, you know, a formal document or a formal policy um, and things like that. And then we passed and we passed by quite a long way. I think to be a B Corp, you have to get over 85 points or something. And, and we, um, yeah, we we, sh we shot well over that. So uh, yeah, we were really pleased. Um, really amazing. We didn't do it. Another question that people ask is, you know, what's the business goal of this? We didn't do it with any sort of business goal in mind. We didn't do it as like a marketing thing. It wasn't part of a strategic plan to get more ethical clients or anything like that at all. Um, we just did it because we felt that it reflected our values. Uh, we have a lot of ninjas in the team who are really passionate about some of the things that B Corp sort of typifies. Um, so we thought it'd be quite a good thing. I, you know, I want people to be proud of the company that they work at. And, uh, and this seemed like a, you know, a way to recognize that. So that's why we did it. Um, and yeah, it's awesome. It's yeah, really yeah. cool, really proud. It's been, um, I think a lot of people in the company are really happy about it. And like you said, it didn't require that many changes in terms of the mentality of the company because we're already very much like that. And it's actually um, kind of created a bigger conversation about like, the branding world as a whole and how many businesses kind of shout about their positioning or their or their where they sit and then actually internally they don't behave like that at all all this to say we have a video coming out <laughs> next week all about but it is all about brand positioning and how it has to be from the ground up you know it can't just be you can't just be saying that you do this and you do that and you're this kind of company and you're that kind of company on social media on your website and then it comes out in your i don't know glass door reviews or from your customer experiences or anything all the quality of your products that they just don't align yeah so i think yeah b corp is one of those great things that means that it does have to align otherwise yeah. you ain't getting that you know you're not getting that recognition from them at all no. um but yeah it's it's very exciting and just some some fun news we wanted to share with you yeah. because we're proud of it but it's a bit there's a bigger story there about you know practicing what you preach there is and if, if there are any companies out there or any marketing people out there who want your company to become a b corp i would say definitely it's been a really good experience i'm really glad we've done it it's made us a better company um as a result i think if you're you know if you're a brutal oppressive regime type company then it's it's going to be it's too difficult but if you're at, if you feel like when you look through the B Corp criteria, you're like, yeah, okay, this basically represents what we're about, then it's a really good thing to do because things like you know bribery, corruption policy. Initially, I was like, this just seems like a whole bunch of admin faff. Like, what's the point of doing this? It's just a checkbox. But then I thought about it as 
like, yeah, of course it might start out as that. But if I'm, you know, an account manager accepting a gift from a client or sending a gift to a client as, as an example, I might not realize that that has, you know, knock on effect. And actually, you know, so I think it's, it's really good at making sure that awareness of values transmits through the whole organization. So if you need an advocate or if you need someone to talk to leadership in your company about becoming a B Corp, just hit me up, Tim at ExplosionNinja.com. I'm happy to discuss our, our experiences with it and, and what we think of it because uh, on the whole, it's been really, really great. Couldn't recommend it more. Yes, for sure. I just think it's it's just nice. So that's why it's nice. we wanted to share it all with you and have a little, a little humble brag, I suppose. Not really. Um, but it's just, like I said, we have a video about branding and positioning coming out in not next not this week week after but also if you've been sticking around for this long in the podcast in half an hour on our main channel at exposure ninja on youtube we have a video coming out about different types of content that um are the best for businesses in 2023 um it was a really fun video we had a lot of fun with it so i think um you'll enjoy it and you'll definitely learn something from it anything else to add tim before we wrap up for today no no cool well that's it another successful podcast recorded uh, we'll be back next week if you want to tune in or if you're a bit late to this one you can watch it on the catch-up because it will upload after we're finished or you can listen to it on a podcast channel of your choice by the end of the week and if you haven't heard the ones before you can catch them again on this channel or you can check them out over on spotify apple podcasts google podcasts probably some other weird places stitcher probably <laughs> i don't know <laughs> trying to think of all the podcast places that get reeled off whenever i listen yeah, to a yeah. podcast um have a fantastic week everyone and we will see you in the next one see you soon bye bye bye